The following program is brought to you by Fanbags Cornhole, Chicago's official supplier of professional cornhole boards and bags. Choose from any of their officially licensed designs or have my boy Brian design a custom set using anything from a selfie to your company's logo. Visit www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS to get 10% off your entire order. That's www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. Step up your game with Fanbags Cornhole. Welcome back to Boilers in the Stands post-game show. I am your host, Craig Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is Joe Jackson and Craig Bowers. Uh, three losses on the road in the Big Ten this season and uh, three court stormings as per usual. Uh, Ohio State this time, the winner of the court storming derby. Uh, at, rightfully so, they played their asses off. They fought to the ball. They got to every loose ball. They seemed to get every rebound. Um, you know, just active hands all game long, making life miserable for Zach Eady and many others throughout the entire game. They never let off the rope, you know, and then you got to give a lot of credit to, to Thornton, uh, 22 points on the day, putting on his best Jalen Hood Shafino act, getting in front of his defender, playing that mid-range game where he's getting Zach Eady kind of in a tweener spot. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that here today. Ohio State certainly had a great game plan. And then, of course, you know, um, you know, battle for, um, you know, uh, Ohio State just caught fire in the second half, which was a big part for Ohio State's push. And for, I would say, 30, 32 minutes of this game, Purdue played miserable miserable basketball. And then for the final eight minutes, they did wake up and, you know, we're going to have a lot of belly aching on this show. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Purdue fans that are upset. You know, I think, I think some of us have felt this coming for a few games now. And the irony of it was the free throw shooting. We all felt like was going to be what was going to come back to bite this team the last few games. And then today they were perfect from the free throw line. And they couldn't really get anything else going was their problem, at least until the final eight minutes where they did start to collect themselves defensively and did start to chip away at that lead. So, you know, like I said, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, criticisms launched at, you know, kind of the effort and some of the individual play. But I'll say this much. Purdue has won nine games in a row. This would have been 10. So they fall short of that. And now the Big Ten race basically is down to Purdue and Illinois. And it's very interesting here to end the season. But I will say this much. If you're looking for a silver lining in this game, you know, they had a good simulation of what March madness when they go against a team that is the underdog, you know, is, is going to feel like, and instead of, you know, at Nebraska where they get the, the doors completely blown off them, Purdue fought back and even tied the game with a minute to go. And so I will give them credit for the resiliency they showed um, within that, because I've been saying a lot on these post-game shows that it would take, you know, a team to pitch a perfect game to beat Purdue in, in the sense that the opposing team would have to play perfectly and Purdue would have to play their worst game. And I wouldn't say Purdue played their worst game. If you consider the last eight minutes, had they played 
the full 40 like they did the first 32, I probably would have said this was their worst game. But I, at this point, I would say the Nebraska game might have been a little worse, even though Nebraska was as red hot as they could possibly be. I'm rambling a little bit here, but essentially what I'm trying to say is at least in the sense that where Purdue played pretty miserable, miserable for the majority of the game, they still picked themselves up, found a way to scratch back and try to steal a game on the road in Ohio state, almost similar to the way they stole a game last year at Ohio state. But instead they fall short. Ohio state wins a lot of credit to them. Purdue has to pick up the pieces and reset here going into next week. Uh, Craig, I'll start with you and then we'll kick it around to Joe. Uh, your, your, your initial thoughts here on the game. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always, um, it's always interesting whenever a, a team loses a coach mid season, because we've seen uh, reactions, um, that don't necessarily make sense to the team happen in real time. And, and it always seems like they have a jolt of energy a, a jolt of, uh, just kind of rejuvenation, uh, offensively, defensively, no matter what, I think we saw it with Texas last year when that happened, they kind of rally, um, around the new coach that's there. And I, I think you saw a decent amount of that with Ohio state today. I thought they had more energy, uh, offensively, defensively rebounding, even though we still win the rebounding margin by like 10 today. Um, I, I still thought they were just kind of, quicker to some spots where Purdue might normally get the ball. So I, I thought Purdue had to survive the first 10 minutes of that. That was one of the things we said in our keys, but they just never felt like they matched it uh, throughout the entire game. And then, I mean, long, long story short, uh, Purdue didn't get enough production out of their other guards beyond Braden. Um, Lance came on in the second half, but, kind of had a lid on the basket in the first half right around the rim. He shoots 60% from three today, which is great, but just didn't hit layups that he normally hits and, and that hurt. Um, but like, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, uh, but it's time that we maybe want to be a little bit concerned about Fletcher's production falling off because uh, this is the third or fourth game in a row now uh, that there just hasn't been much production there. And, and I don't want to, I'm not acting like that's not going to turn around because we've seen Fletcher go through these stretches and then he pops off a 27, 28 point game, but it just wasn't there today. And I'll be honest. Uh, this is the first game all year long where I truly felt like I questioned some of the rotations because if, if Fletch isn't giving you points, why do you have him out there? And, and he gives up a wide open three when we had cut the game to five or four, just, Loses his guy, doesn't close out. They nail a three to go up eight with like two and a half, three minutes left. And I mean, that was kind of the game to me right there. And if Ethan's out there in that moment, if Cam's out there in that moment, maybe it's different. Yeah. I mean, um, Joe, before you go, I, I, I guess to talk about that point and I'm sure we'll get into it a little more, but the the catch 22 with Ethan Morton and Fletcher lawyer is they give you something on one end and then the other end, you got to give a little. And right. so if you're, if you're going to try to play the, the, you know, uh, where, 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 where coach painter will take someone in and pull someone out at the end, you know, and, and play offense defense you can, but when you can't do that, when there isn't a stoppage of play to switch guys out, You've got Ethan on one end where he's wide open on the on at the three point line and he's not going to take the shot. So you know 
they're essentially playing five on four defense, you know, because they know Ethan's not going to shoot it and, and, and he's not attacking the rim really. And then on the other end, you know, so lawyer, at least on that end, they have to respect him. They have to stick to him offensively. So even if he's not making shots, the defender at least has to come out and respect him, which then creates a trickle down effect for other people to get an open shot. But then on the other end, lawyer, you know, there's more to left to be desired defensively. Then I guess the question is, was what Ethan, cause I know Ethan really did a nice job in the Minnesota game, you know, getting things under control. But today, would you say that Ethan Morton was doing enough defensively that it warranted, all right, he's going to take the minutes from lawyer today because it didn't really seem like anybody could stop anything Ohio state was doing. I mean, they were red hot pretty much across the board. It wasn't just Thornton. A lot of guys that aren't season long contributors um, were making plays and, and, and getting buckets. They don't normally get. Yeah. I'm, um, I don't know because you know, Thorne was cooking a little bit against more and more had that foul the, he fouled Jameson battle with what a minute and a half left, gave him two free throws right there. That's a mistake. Um, it, it's tough because lawyer gave you nothing like he, you, you nailed it with lawyer at least gets respected still. And I understand painter going offense defense towards the ends of just like, the the offense is just it, it just is different when Morton's out there, but Morton's so much better defensively. It's tough, right? And, and I think Heidi can sort of be the balance, but Painter doesn't trust Heidi enough right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly because I think Morton was. I don't think Morton was Minnesota level defensively today. Um, it, it's he just wasn't, and so then that makes it tough because there are a few times where you're trying to get like teams straight up ignore Morton when Purdue's on offense. And so now it becomes four on five and that fifth defender is just now going to Edie. Um, like, and so that's tough, but then he gives you good defense for me, this game, it's just, it was simply energy and, and focus. Like, I agree. Like Ohio state played pretty well. I don't think, I don't think I would say Ohio state played like an a plus game by any means. Not um, at all. Not at just, all. Like they just, didn't play great. They didn't play great. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like, I know um, I, people are probably going to yell at me for this. I'm not worried. This game doesn't worry me too much. And I understand the March stuff. And, and I'm not saying other people don't have to be worried. I totally get it. This game doesn't worry me because this just doesn't feel like what Purdue has done for, what, 24, 25 games or whatever it is this year. Um, like, I, ex I expect them to be one of the best coach teams always on the floor. I expect them to be one of the most you know focused and energized teams on the floor always. And that just straight up wasn't there today. I think that'll come back. If it does not come back for another game or two, then it's starting to worry. But you know, last game, Minnesota, they, they was there for 20, 25 minutes. Um, but we'll, we'll dive into this, some of the deeper stuff. Like yep. it really felt just simple to me. Like Ohio state got some of the loose balls that Purdue didn't Ohio state was forcing some turnovers. Purdue was being careless. You get that combined with no guard aside from Brain Smith having, I would say, a good game, and that's that's gonna that's gonna be a loss. It's just straight up is. Got I got to got to move on to next game, um, and see where the energy's at. Hopefully they come out and and just put it to Rutgers, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, and and let me just say this before we get into it. You know, I see a lot of people in the chat saying, you know, it's time to hit the panic button. Oh, I'm worried. March. You know, this is the same stuff that's gonna happen in March. Let me tell you something, Boilers fans. There is not going to come a point this entire season. They could have one out, and there will not come a point this season 
that you're going to say, okay, we're good in March. Not worried at all. No panic. Just going to, we're just going to coast through to the final four that we haven't been to in 35 years. You're not going to get that moment. So quit wishing for it. This is the big 10. This is college basketball. Life ain't easy. Sports ain't easy. Basketball ain't easy. And they're going to have to grind through games like the Wisconsin game at Wisconsin, like the Minnesota game at home, like this game at Ohio state, they get harder as the season goes on. Everyone is fatigued both sides, no excuses, but they're not going to win every game. There's no guarantee they're getting to the final four. So quit acting like you're waiting for this moment. That's the proof that they're going to get to this moment in this mountaintop that we're all begging for, that we're all hoping for, and that they're not going to, please don't blow it. Please don't embarrass us. Like we have the last few years in the first rounds or against teams like St. Peter's fairly Dickinson, North Texas, the list goes on and on. We understand what's at stake with Purdue basketball this season, but for all the fans railing against looking for this moment of proof that it's not going to happen. You're not going to get it guys. Okay. At the very least, you can take solace in the fact that they didn't lay down on the road. They played terribly today for the majority of the game. And even still, they picked up their bootstraps and got to work the last eight minutes and found a way to tie the game. If that's not enough for you and all you can see is the negative and the fact that they're not going to do it in March, so be it. And maybe that'll be better for your mental health because then you won't be let down because you're expecting it. But at the end of the day, this team is battling. They are good enough to make it to a final four. There are guarantees and we'll just have to wait and see, but there is a chess match to be had. And Matt Painter is going to have to figure out what those chess pieces are. Um, It's a matchup game. That's what basketball is all about. And he's got some guys that are good offensively, not as good defensively. He's got some guys that are good defensively, not as good offensively. Then you have your foundational pieces in Zach Eady, Mason Gillis, you know, and, and that's who you've got to try to bank off of Braden Smith. These guys, Lance Jones, these guys are going to be the bedrock of what you're going to do to climb your way to Arizona. So we'll just have to wait and see if they do. And, uh, you know, but for all the fans that are waiting for this proof that, you know, I guarantee it's going to happen. It's not, you're not going to get it. So, you know, if this, this game ain't for the faint of heart. Just enjoy the ride. If you can't take the stress, go have a drink. Yeah. And I will say, like, I understand. I'm not saying people shouldn't be upset about this game. Purdue came out and was completely flat. So that's fair. But I agree with you. It's like the anxiety and all that, it's not going to be gone till March, even if Purdue wins the next six games by 25 plus points each. Like, there's maybe a little bit more confidence, but then that tournament bracket's going to come. And then that Purdue's going to have that 16, whoever it is, that 16 seed lined up with them. And then everybody's going to be like, hey, we need to really scout them and what's going to happen. And um, I agree. It's it's just how it's going to be until March. And I believe Purdue absolutely can do it and and go all the way. Um, It's March. It's the most variant uh, tournament in all of sports that we know. Stuff happens. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate loss. Lots to take from it. And we should probably get into it. You got anything else, Craig, before we go? Let's let's get into it. I'm ready to get into the nuts and bolts because I I have a lot of questions on nuts and bolts today. All right. Uh, 
Uh, yes, I was going to make a joke, but I won't make the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly nuts. We all know that. Um, so, yeah, let's just get into the team statistics because that always kind of sets the table for everything else we talk about here on this show. Uh, so we'll get into it. Uh, uh, team stats of the game. Ohio State shoots red hot 48% from the field on 28 of 58 shooting. Purdue 43% from the field on 23 of 53 shooting. Both teams shoot 33% from three-point land, but Ohio State gets 21 threes up, so they go 7 of 21 from the three-point line. Purdue goes only 3 of 9, only 9 attempts from three-point land for Purdue, and that was a lot. had a lot to do with Ohio State running them off the three-point line. A lot of activity from Ohio State on all levels of the defensive side. Um, Ohio State shoots 91% from the uh, free throw line at 10 of 11. You would have been like, wow, that's that's really good. But Purdue shoots 100% from the free throw line in a losing effort. 20 of 20. Oh, the irony. 20 of 20 from the free throw line, but they lose. 14 turnovers for Purdue, the story of the game in a lot of ways only six for Ohio state. That margin I think is the difference when you talk about, you know, Ohio state pitching a perfect game. They did a really good job of taking care of the basketball and then 22 points off of turnovers for Ohio state, only five for Purdue. So there's a key statistic rebounds, 36 rebounds to only 23 for Ohio state. Purdue wins the margin by 13, 22 defensively, uh, 14 offensively for Purdue, 16 defensively, only seven offensively for Ohio State. And uh, I'm surprised by that offensive rebound stat for Ohio State because it felt like they were getting to every putback, every loose ball. Uh, but there's the stats for you there. 13 second chance points for Purdue, seven for Ohio State, 32 points in the paint, only 24 for Ohio State, seven fast break points for Ohio State, only five for Purdue. Five blocks for Purdue, three for Ohio State, nine steals for Ohio State. A lot coming in the post, scraping at Zach Eady, making his life very difficult today. Only three steals for Purdue, 13 assists apiece for both Purdue and Ohio State. And uh, lead time, Ohio State led this game for 22 minutes and 30 seconds. Felt like much more than that, and Purdue led for 15 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, times tied in the game, three times tied and Purdue was able to tie it at the very end. Um, so, you know, uh, when we go through those stats, what stands out to you guys? Uh, the points off turnovers to me and like 14 turnovers obviously isn't ideal. Um, I, I think a lot of times you hear painter mention that like 10 to 12 mark is kind of like the magic number. So it, it's not like it was crazy high. But the crazy high number was what they scored off those turnovers. Um, generally speaking, you don't see that high of a conversion rate. I mean, essentially, right, they score all but two or three times every time they t that Purdue turned the ball over. A lot of times when Purdue turns the ball over in games, they're dead ball turnovers. Today, almost all of them were live ball turnovers. And Ohio State did a really good job of pushing the ball extremely fast and like let let's not joke around bruce thornton has the ability let's not talk about what he's necessarily done from a performance standpoint but he has the ability to be a top five guard in the big 10 and today anytime they got the ball on a fast break bruce thornton pushed the ball and he showed that um yep. 
and, and they were extremely efficient in, in turning those turnovers into points for Ohio State. And to me, that that was the game changer right there. And look, I don't I know it's sacrilege, right? Zach Eady had another double double today. Zach Eady was tremendous today from a scoring and rebounding standpoint, but he had six turnovers today. And like if you're national player of the year and Braggs, you know this from your NFL football stuff, when when you're all pro whatever, you get held to a higher standard. Yep. And six turnovers by your likely returning national player of the year is not okay in a game like this. Yeah, to go with the turnovers, um, like the raw 14 overall turnovers isn't crazy big. That is where like, I'm going to throw out turnover percentage, which is the percentage of your possessions that end in a turnover uh, produced second worst on the entire season. The only one it was behind was the win at Rutgers. Um, this game was their second slowest pace game of the entire season with only uh, 62 possessions by from what I'm looking at. So let me double check that. Anywhere from like 60 to 62 possessions because it kind of gets estimated in some of the stats. Um, second slowest. So when you have your second slowest game combined with that many turnovers, that's when, you know, 14 turnovers on its own. Yes, it doesn't. It's not like the highest number, but it's taking up a lot more of your percentage of possessions. And so, uh, you know, now it's only like, what, 78% of possessions that Purdue is able to get some sort of shot attempt up. Um, and that's just, that's just not going to cut it. Um, obviously, it did. A, like, they can do it. It happened at Rutgers, but Rutgers also is, um, at that point, was not good at all offensively. Like, straight up actually bad. Um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, that combined with the pace that stands out, um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the actual, the rest of the stats, like uh, the rebounding just doesn't make sense to me. It feels like Ohio state got way yeah. more rebounds. It really does. Um, and then only nine, three point attempts now for Purdue and Ohio state defensively, that is part of just what they do try to do. Um, and, and Ohio state's not been a successful, uh, defense for most of the season, but they're one of the, uh, best teams at like limiting three point attempts in the entire country. They're going to show out their big on uh, pick and rolls. They're going to just kind of press and they give up a lot of stuff down low. They're not good at guarding the three point shots when like teams do get open ones, but um, they don't, they don't give up many threes. And, and you see that today. Purdue only takes nine of them. See, and, and Tyam Daly says Purdue does play too slow. And so like, because everything is just an indictment on what they'll do in March. So let's just, you know, yeah. let's just look, let's stare the elephant in the room in the face instead of ignoring it. And so in the Fairley Dickinson game, that was my biggest complaint was they, they played right into Fairley Dickinson's hands, played way too slow, pushed the tempo. They were afraid to take wide open shots today. They didn't have wide open shots to take. Ohio yeah. state was running them off the three point line. Now, could they have still played faster? Yes. You know, if Ethan Morton's wide open and you don't want to take the three, then attack the rim, you know, like do something to get some activity. I think Lance Jones is one of the better guys at that of recognizing Braden Smith, obviously very good at recognizing window. Okay. They're going to run me off the three point line. Then I'm going to go to the hoop and create either for myself or Zach Eady. And so, you know, that that's where it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, like, the other thing, like when you just talk about Zach and and Craig, you mentioned it, you know, the turnovers and, and the way he played, hey, he's national player of the year. You know, you can sense frustration. I don't know if fatigue is setting in for him as well, but there's just a lot of frustration from him. And 
you know, I don't know, like, like there was, he was physically dominated in a lot of ways, you know, uh, uh, key was really giving him the business and slapping down at the basketball. A few of them were very clean. We didn't get a replay on the final hack down painter seemed pretty upset about it. Even a pet possession or two after that, as they went into the timeout where it felt like, you know, he felt like Zach probably should have got the benefit of the doubt in the call. We never got a replay on it. So I can't speak to whether or not the final slap down was clean, but they, I mean, they, they played him perfectly and you just got to give them credit. Um, you know, triple teaming him, double teaming him before the entry pass came in. There was a lot of times in the first half where I was complaining in our group text where they were doing a good job of pushing Zach Eady off his spot before he would receive the post entry pass. And that was pushing him a little further away from the rim. He got a couple calls on it, but I felt like maybe he could have got a couple more, but Hey, that's life. You got to get tougher. You got to play tougher. And there was a few times where Purdue would reset, get a better, you know, angle for Zach and get it back into him and, and able to get, you know, a bucket from it. But for the most part, you know, Ohio state just had them so off kilter that they really didn't have very many clean possessions. You know, everything was kind of erratic. The one thing I did find interesting was the counteract at the end by Matt Painter to press a little bit on Ohio state to get them, you know, longer into the shot clock, you know, so they're, so they couldn't set their possessions up as well, you know, and that's something Purdue sees a lot of, right. You know, they'll, they'll slow them across half court. So then when Purdue's trying to get in their set, they don't have as much time to work it around the court. You know, maybe they could have gone to that a little early. I don't know how much I like Zach Eady guarding the inbounder, you know, all the way on the other side of the court. And then when they, if they go the other way with it, you know, that seems a little dangerous to me, but it was interesting to see Matt Painter throw that wrinkle in. And that's something we really haven't seen from him at, if at all in the last few years. Yeah. And I think it was just trying to get something at some point, um, just trying to speed up the game. Cause I'm going back to that, the comment that you threw up uh, from, where is it? There it is from time daily says Purdue does play too slow. Um, this was not a Purdue paced game. Like I if watching 26 of them. This is not Purdue's pace at all this year. This is an Ohio state pace game today. Absolutely. Ohio state controlled the pace probably for all 40 minutes. They picked and now they did pick and choose their spots of being able to push when they had the advantage. Otherwise it's, you know, Ohio state has been one of the slower teams. They want to take 25 seconds and then get to a pull-up jumper that Thorne can hit. Gail hit early in the year and um, has struggled lately. Like, this was this was an Ohio State controlled pace game, and that just kind of goes as another thing of Purdue just not having that energy and focus. They they let Ohio State dictate it, and then you kind of just you mess around, and then that's when you find yourself down eight, down with you know six minutes left. So um, just wanted just wanted to kind of throw that in there. Going back to the pace, Brad's asking Brad Salt in the chat, what's Purdue's average points per game? Um, I can get that in a second. Joe, you're our stat guy. What do you got, Craig? Yeah, I guess I'm going to push back a little bit on the three-point thing because I, like, I get it. Um, I understand what you're saying, but Purdue or Ohio State is, um, <laughs> does not rank highly in terms of the three-point percentage that they give up, and they're, like, in the mid-100s in terms of three-pointers made against them. And I thought there was times today where we had guys open and we just didn't go to them. Um, Colvin comes in for that four-minute stretch. I thought there were two different times he was wide open. And we didn't find him. Um, I, I didn't feel like we ran anything for Gillis today. I I, re, I can remember 
They off ran the one. Of- they ran one at the very end, and right. he, uh, they ran right. off. But I like at the end of the first half, I think I sent you guys a text and I'm like, we're struggling from three and we have a guy who shoots 48% on the season and we've not run anything for him this whole game to try to get him an open look from three at that point. And I just felt like there were times and you bring up the FDU game and the FDU game to me, there were times like we were just overly trying to be like, we should have the advantage in the point. So we're going to just beat it to death, even if that we were getting swarmed in the paint. And it felt like that a little bit to me today. We're like, okay, like we're we're scoring in the paint, but we just we keep feeding it, we keep feeding it, we keep feeding it. And like there's 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 opportunities for threes out there, and you have to get other people involved throughout the game, and not just hope they can hit them when they have to hit them at the end of the game. And I thought there were opportunities uh, in the first half, and even if they weren't specific opportunities. When you have a guy like Mason, if you're going to bring Miles in for four minutes, like what's the point of bringing Miles in if you're not going to run something for him to get him a three-point look? Like that's the only right. reason he's out there is to hit buckets. And right. I, I just I, I was confused a little bit by that, why we didn't try to take advantage of the fact that they aren't great from a percentage standpoint of defending the three-point line and, and try to get some of our best percentage three-point shooters involved if Fletcher's not producing from the outside. And like Lance is Lance, right? Like we always talk about the Lance experience. Lance did some bad things in the first half that put us in a hole. Lance did some really good things at the end of the second half that we're not in that game if Lance doesn't do. <laughs> he ends yep. up 60% from three. He has that really heads up, you know, draw the foul there. For whatever reason, the lid was on the basket in the layup form for him. Um, that's Lance. Lance is Lance. But we weren't getting anything out of the two-guard spot today. So – why aren't you running anything for Mason? If you're going to bring Miles in, why aren't you running anything for him? Uh, Lance also, the one mistake Lance made in the second half was that pull up with like three or four minutes mm-hmm. left. That one was big. But yeah, I agree. Lance was oh, much, no much doubt. Better, much, much I'm better not in saying, the second half. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not saying he played his perfect second half. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. There's just, yeah, a lot of little things that happened in the last, even just five, six minutes. It just, it's like, if it goes the other way, Purdue wins this. But um, I don't know. I'll, I'm going to look back at the three pointers when I watch this game back. Cause like, just kind of, especially looking at what Ohio State's done all year, like, like that's just what they do. Like, even if you run stuff from three, um, and I'm looking up some of the numbers, like what a lot of what they do, Ohio State's give up, they, they give up a ton of pull up threes. And aside from Brayden, who's really going to do, I guess Jones will some. Um, and so even then, like the type of threes that they tend to give up aren't necessarily ones that Purdue wants to take. Um, but I agree. Like at some point you got to try to get stuff, but then even, you know, like, like Greg said, they ran something for Gills towards the end of the half and Ohio State just runs them off the line. Cause they're going to, they're just going to force guys. They have Akpara down low. Like if he's in the game, they're just going to try to force guys to him. He's one of the better um, rim protectors in the entire conference gets in foul trouble, but they, they responded at the end. I mean, Purdue was about to steal that game. Uh, when Lance Jones, you know, ran to the free throw line and was about to get a shot, he had to adjust his shot because they chased Lance down and mm. he had to like double pump and he got a bad shot off as he was coming down. Like, I just thought that was a great effort play um, by Ohio State. And I thought really kind of encompassed what Ohio State was doing the whole game, just making life miserable on everybody. They weren't just double and triple teaming you they were but they were making it hard on just about everybody on the court now the other part of that the reason they were i felt like had that ability all due respect to ethan morton and caleb first who i think bring a lot to this team and 
in the roles they have, but when they're on the floor together and neither are aggressive to get theirs offensively, you know, when they're on the floor together, they might bring a lot of effort and activity defensively, but when they're on the floor offensively, it's three guys you're depending on to get open or make a play and two guys that are screeners or, you know, you know, just a guy that's going to kick the ball around and, and not put a shot up, whether it's from the post with Caleb or from the three point line or driving to the basket with Ethan. And they've got to get a little more aggressive. You know, the one thing I thought at the beginning of the game that I liked we, and, and if it was in a winning effort, it was something I really wanted to highlight, but we can talk about it now was when TKR to start the game, they didn't go to Zach Eady like the first five possessions. Every possession went to TKR and he was ready. He was ready to make a play each time. And that that kind of stuff there is encouraging. Like that that's a wrinkle that, you know, I like that game plan. You know, you know they're gonna just uh you know load up on Zach to start the game to really try to set the tone. We'll give it to Trey Kaufman Run, who more times than not is gonna have a mismatch with the other team. And, and, you know, now all of a sudden it changes what they're going to have to do defensively. So that's the kind of activity you need from Caleb first. If he's going to be out there for his defensive inactivity, he's got to try to make some plays offensively as well. So when it's Caleb and Ethan out there, you know, for their defense to hold some guys down and try to get the game under control, they've still got to hold up their end of the bargain on the offensive side. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I thought, I thought Caleb had some good run today. I really did. I thought he brought some good energy, but again, he just kind of had the yips at the rim and, and it's kind of what has been his theme all year, except for Minnesota. Um, I agree. Like when Morton is in, there are still ways that he can be used to at least try to alleviate like teams just completely ignoring him. Like going back to the Minnesota, there's a play I highlighted of he catches the ball at the top of the key and he has, you know, 15 feet of space or, or 12 feet of space, like usual. And what he does is he, they're trying to get a post up for Zach. He takes one hard dribble and now he's at like the 15 foot line. And that just forced his defender to take like a two steps up. And so now he can get the lob pass into ED. Um, there's just different ways. I mean, you look at UConn last year um, and um, oh, what's this? The guy that the, he was, he went to the NBA. Um, you got, do you, do you I Craig, should you know, know that it's Sanago. Sanago. No, no, no. He was a wing. He couldn't really shoot Jackson or. Yeah. Let me, yeah, let I think me. it was Jackson. Andre Jackson. Yeah. Like you look at how UConn used him last year and it, and Jackson's much more athletic than Morton. So like, I'm not saying it should be a one for one or anything like that, but they just do a good, they did a good job of using him and, and using his gravity of, or anti-gravity basically of, all right, you're going to play off. We're going to get into that space and eat it up and we'll play from there. Um, I don't know if that's a painter thing. I don't know if that's a Morton thing. I don't know if it's both uh, of, you know, Morton has to be willing to do it and painter has to be willing to, let Morton do it. Um, he's a good enough passer. I would assume that Painter trusts him, but there, there is just things like that. And then first it's, you know, I, I thought he had really good energy defensively for the most part. Um, and you saw him come in and that, that initial, that initial run where Purdue gets back into the game first, that was all first at the four. Like that was when first came in right. and, and kind of switched things, but he's yeah, just got to figure it out at the rim at, at an offense. It's something it's as simple as that, I think. Well, and, and he had five rebounds in nine minutes. He's the second leading rebounder on this team in nine minutes of play today. Um, so I, I actually thought first was really good when he was in. Um, I saw him come in originally, and I couldn't see Zach on the court. And I was like, he's taking Zach out right now? And then I was like, oh, he's putting him at the four, which hasn't happened a ton this year. 
uh, where Caleb's come in and played the four. Um, and I, I actually thought he gave really good minutes, uh, both defensively and just being act, active, high energy, rebounding. Uh, when he did miss some of those layups, I feel like Zach either got the offensive rebound off that short bunny and put it in or got to the line. Um, so I, I was okay with Caleb uh, in those minutes. And I, you know, when you're down, there's two things that have to happen. Like, and, and Painter will say this over and over again. When you're down, like you have to be able to get stops. It doesn't matter what you do from on the scoring end. If you can't get stops, you're not going to come back in that game. And, and too many times today, it just felt like with certain lineups, right, there was no confidence in this team to be able to consistently get stops because Battle was cooking and Thornton was cooking. Now, we did a lot better job against Thornton in the second half until right there towards the end. But both those guys are going, and Battle's one of the premier shooters. If he's not the first, he's the second-best premier shooter on a high volume in this entire league, and we let him get going in the second half. So you're looking at that, and you're saying, all right, we've got to get stops. And regardless of on the scoring and what we have to do, we have to get those stops first and then hope that the people that we have in the game can score. And when we made the run, in my mind, you had Morton in there, you were getting some stops because Morton was playing really good defense, and you were getting enough out of Jones, Smith, Edie on the other end for Purdue to start to make that run. And whether or not Morton's, like, they just completely sagged off Morton a couple times, and, like, you live with that, but I felt like he was getting more stops on the other end than it was hurting Purdue offensively on, on the opposite end, personally. I, I thought you had something, Braggs, but no, uh, there was a loud, there was a loud bang. He was, he, he no, was here. As I was about to say something, literally a loud bang upstairs. And when you have a five-year-old daughter, that's no, always a scary proposition of what just occurred in my household. So, um, no, <laughs> and, and, and like I said, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I love all these guys on this team. This, this show is about having a critical eye. Uh, we're not here just waving the pom-poms. Um, I'm not trying to bag on Caleb or Ethan Morton, but just looking at what, just looking at when they're on the offense, I understand the activity they bring and you're hundred percent right. Uh, when it comes to getting stops and so, uh, credit to you guys for really acknowledging what, how, how big of a role he played in the comeback there. Cause yeah, for a lot of fans, they're looking at just like myself, they're looking at, how they're getting back in it on the offensive side of the ball. And so for me keying in on that and just seeing, you know, three guys that I know are willing to make a play and seeing the way defenders play off of Ethan or play off of first and making life harder on Zach in the post or making life harder on, on Braden or Lance Jones running them off the three point line. Yeah. We want, we want five guys that are effective defensively, but, but can play offensively too. And that's just not how it works. It's a, it's a matchup game and, and painters typically pretty good at playing those matchups and switching offense for defense as we get down to the end of the game. So ultimately they put themselves in a hole that they couldn't pull themselves out of, or, I mean, they almost did, but you know, a lot of it, like you said, Joe came from an effort standpoint. Um, they were getting to the, loose balls. It felt like they were getting to a lot more rebounds than the stats would indicate. 
Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I do tip my cap to Ohio State and their their interim head coach that comes in and, and gets a win. You could tell at the end of the game how emotional he was getting that. So, you know, hey, you know, it's gut check time for Purdue. I did see somebody in the comments earlier, you know, as we, we'll, we'll get into the individual play here in a second, but I'll, I'll touch on this before we uh, get into the individual play. Uh, but one person did say um, to the extent of, you know, Brian T's parallels to last year with quality of play seemingly decreasing as March gets closer. And, you know, I think, what was it last year? At one point, Purdue lost, what, three of four or four? Of yeah, five? three of four and four of six. Yeah, three of four and four of six end the year. They're not quite at that point. Now, if you want to say you're seeing some signs because of the Minnesota game, they snuck out of the Wisconsin game. You know, they, they battled their asses off. And, and won that game, but they could have lost it. But at the end of the day, they won those games. And to me, that was the difference between last year and this year. Now, today, you want to start to draw parallels to last year? Okay, fine. But let's see them lose three of four here coming up. Let's see them lose four of six before they get to the Big Ten tournament. If that happens, Brian T., then you can start to draw direct parallels. But for now, you know, maybe there's a hint. But I, I, to me, you know, like I said, everything is just in it. Like everything's just an indictment of what they're going to do in March. It's almost like nothing matters in the regular season. So if you want to try to look at things with silver lining or glass half full, you know, Braden Smith is the difference between this year and last year. He's a much better player, much more under control, has more in his bag as far as what he's bringing to the table. You know, Lance Jones is an element they didn't have last year who brings it on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. You know, Zach Eady is who he is. You know, uh, you know, I, I think there's more defined roles on this team. Yes, Fletcher Lawyer is struggling, and you could draw that parallel to last year, but his role is much different than it was last year. It's a more limited role. So you hope he can come out of it. He is big game Fletch. Big games are coming soon. Uh, today you can say today was a big game cause they lost it. But at the end of the day, when they play some of the tougher teams, Fletcher always seems to show up. So I'm going to lean on the fact that, you know, he has, you know, the cojones to, to figure this out when the money on the table time games do come. So, you know, I do think there are differences between this year and last year. They have more experience and, um, uh, you know, a little more resiliency, a little more toughness, you know, and so I, I'm not quite there with you yet, Brian T. Uh, obviously, we're all nervous every time there's a little little crack in the armor. But, uh, you know, you got to take your lumps. You're not going to win every game. Uh, you know, I saw some people rationalizing, you know, hey, I'd rather lose now than in March. You know, if that's how you want to look at it, fine. You know, uh, sometimes it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, before you end the year, get a couple out of your system before – before, because at the end of the day, it is also about luck. You know, there is some luck involved, you know, to winning these games that are, you know, a game of inches and, and small margins. So, you know, there's my fourth rant of today, Joe. Yeah. Um, I wanted to jump in and just say that, like, Purdue is, um, you know, they this game was bad and 15 minutes against Minnesota was bad. They are two games removed from dominating Indiana at home. They are three games removed from going in at Wisconsin. And it was this ended up being a six point win, but that was a game Purdue controlled the entire way. Um, and so the parallel would be if this continues to happen, I don't think that one game like this is 
um, the the reason to have those concerns exactly, or, or say that it's a one for one. It would be like, hey, let's. For me, it just goes back to let's see what happens at our home against Rutgers Thursday. I think that'll be a big game. Yeah, you get to you know Purdue fully gets punched in the mouth now for the first time in over a month. Yep. Um, after you know dominating for a large chunk of that stretch, right? There, you had the close game against Northwestern. You had Minnesota where you had to fight back. Um, and really, a lot of the rest of the games were just dominant. So um, let's see what happens, Rutgers, and that's where I kind of. That's just where I go. It's, well, before with, we with, with all that said, Greg, let me riff for just a second. Yeah. Okay. Have with, with all that said, uh, the three losses in four games last year started February 12th. And it started right after Purdue was 23 and two last year. So the, the fans that are, that are saying they see some parallels from last year to this year. Uh, like we, we can't be too hard on them because Purdue's had a couple games um, in the last three where they haven't looked their best. They haven't looked like they did really early in the season. So I don't think we can be too hard on the fans that are bringing that up because the question during that stretch last year was guard play. The question during this stretch has been guard play. It's starting right about the same time where we started to see Purdue struggle last year. So like, I, I think this team is different. I think it's uh, a lot different because of what Lance brings is we really didn't have that option as an extra scorer last year or as a defender last year. I think this team is different because we see that we can go to TKR. I don't think it's the same team. I'm not agreeing with those fans, but uh, I'm just here to say that I understand where fans are coming from because there are parallels from last year. Sure. Can we real, um, because they're, they're, right now, there's a lot of comments of Brain Smith and Jeffrey Boone says, but Brain Smith is being burned out at 39 minutes game, late game turnovers because he's gassed. Um, we, I guess I, I kind of want to hear your takes, guys, on it first. But before that, Brain Smith had one turnover in the last 13 minutes, and it came with six minutes left. So I don't know what these late game turnovers were exactly today, but um, Brain Smith is playing, you know, he's playing a ton of minutes. We've kind of talked about it throughout of I am pro. Like, I think he just is however, if it has to be 39 minutes, it has to be 39 minutes and you live with it. Um, do you guys have a different take on that, though? Craig? <laughs> I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that I think Fletcher looks tired more than Braden looks tired. Yeah. And the, re the reason I say that is the mechanics of his shot. Uh, I, I've thought for the last three, four or five games that his shot has looked extremely flat. And I don't feel like it looked that way. I'd love to see you, Joe, dig into a little bit of tape and go back to November and look at the mechanics of his shot compared to what it looks like right now. Um, but I, I just feel like the ball's coming out of his hand really flat right now on those mid-range pull-ups and on threes. I think he looks a little bit tired. Um, I, I do think that there's been times in the last few games where Braden has looked a little bit gassed, but like they've had breaks. So I don't think it's so much like an accumulation of time as so much as it is there's been some games where he's had to play a ton of minutes in a game and and do a lot of work within that game i don't know that it's accumulative and see i don't think he looks tired for most some not this game i don't think he looked tired this game i think there's definitely are games um that that he does or i'm when i'm saying he i'm talking about brain smith fletcher lawyer i 100 right. agree with with you um like this game i don't think he looked tired uh, i don't well, know and the offense like i know morty and jones can sort of run it for five minutes but like 
it is that you have to grind out those five minutes. And maybe it says something about the team if you can't survive five minutes without you know one of the top ten point guards in the country. Um, but at the same time, it, I don't, I really don't trust this offense without him out there right now, even if it is for five minutes. Well, these next two games will be a big test. You know, you get a few days off before you you come back home to Mackey and play the Rutgers on Thursday. Then you go on the road against Michigan at Michigan on Sunday. And obviously Michigan is not a very good team this year. Um, so, you know, maybe in other years that that would be a tough two, two game stretch there, you know, Thursday to Sunday. But then after that, after the Michigan game, you have the Michigan game Sunday and then a whole week off before you play again that Saturday at home against Michigan state, I believe. Um, so, you know, there's an opportunity there. So these next two games to, um, I forget uh, Brian T's point, you know, like, Hey, I'm worried. This is a parallel to last year. Okay. Let's see what they do here. These next two games. And then they get a full week off before they play again at home against Michigan state. So the hope is that they can get back to work and uh, get back in the wind column and, and keep chipping away to, to, to get another big 10 championship here. And uh, you know, they do have Illinois still and they have Wisconsin to finish. Uh, so it's it's certainly not going to get easy, but these next few games they got to have it. Now that you you lost one here on the road, you know Maryland gave Illinois everything they had yesterday, and Illinois was able to to come out with the win, and Purdue lost today. So that's a big swing because uh, those games could have easily gone the other way, and they didn't. Uh, but also, you know, you know when you looked a couple weeks ago when they beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin, and and you know you see a couple teams lose in overtime like they did the next few days. You know Northwestern, Nebraska, and you know Ohio, and and Wisconsin. What they've lost like five or six games now. So things have kind of turned here. So you know it, it. You know yes, Purdue gave one here to to let Illinois back in it, but Purdue's also had the luxury of some te- some games going their way that's given them this. Big Ten lead they currently have. So this is about the longest we've gone uh, before we've gotten into like individual uh, performances where we really break down kind of the numbers on some of the guys, and we'll do that. Um, I know we got to pay the bills here for a second, so let's do that. But before we do, uh, I want to encourage everyone, please hit that like button while you're hanging out. Appreciate everybody tuning in. As always, uh, if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, you know, doing those things certainly helps us a lot you know, and grows our, our channel and the platform and, and gets eyeballs into the algorithm for fans that may not have found us at this point as we go on a March madness run here, coming up here in a couple weeks. So, uh, you know, before we go into the next segment of our show, I'll let you guys take it from here. Look at, I put you two on the spot. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're putting, Are you, yes. Are you asking for end of, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Are you graduate? Not. Purdue graduate and Lafayette resident since 1999, Michelle Rainey has 10 years of full-time experience working with buyers, sellers, and real estate investors in greater Lafayette and many surrounding areas. If you need to buy, sell, invest, or even relocate, call Michelle to schedule an appointment to see how she can help you accomplish the real estate goals you have. Your home or creating an investment portfolio will likely be the most expensive transactions of your life. Have the experts with Rainey and Company at Keller Williams on your side and let Michelle navigate this process to make it easy. Call or text 765-532-3415. That is 765-532-3415. We are very appreciative of her um, sponsoring the show and supporting what we do here at Boilers in the Stands. So 
I got it, guys. Don't worry. Nice yeah. job. <laughs> I thought he was asking for individual player performance comments from us. I like, like he went there and then he didn't go there, and I was just confused well, about is, where we well, were he going. Threw the but... Right before. <laughs> this is what happens when you know I have done. This is like probably my third. <laughs> third show of the year it feels like so you know when i come in you guys have developed this chemistry all year and i have barely been able to do anything with you guys and i and it's no really it, upsetting. It's, it's all good i was just like what is greg asking me right oh, yeah. now but look look uh bj and her are partners in the real estate game i've known bj for years i've known bj since like i was in high school uh really good people really good uh, uh partners there in the realty game in this area so you're interested in any of that i definitely suggest hitting them both up yeah brad salt says hit the like button or brags will keep talking and not take a breath that's right <laughs> it's not just a threat that's a promise i did see somebody derek say like and subscribe if you don't know how go ask your kid there you uh, go. appreciate you guys tuning in and i appreciate you guys getting through my long-winded rants i it, you know I, I i look forward to doing these post-game shows when i can and of course you know, a uh, uh, one in a losing effort here, you know, the last couple, I haven't been able to be a part of, you know, for different reasons, but I appreciate you guys taking the reins here at boilers in the stands as you guys have all year long, you guys are doing a fantastic job. So let's get into it. Let's get into some of the individual stats of the game. Where do you guys want to start with this? Uh, totally up to you. Do you want to start with Zach or, or start with somebody else? If I have a choice, I say Braden. Okay, let's start I with think, he's got I think he's um 12 points, five rebounds, seven assists for him on 511 shooting, two two from the free throw line, three turnovers. I already said one only one came in the final 13 minutes of the game. He also had a block, which feels like that might be his like first on the year. Um I don't know. This was a game where I thought Brain maybe could have done a bit more, but at the same time, I, I think he played pretty well for the most part, at least on offense. Um, trying to think through defensively, and I don't, you know, he he had the Gale matchup more um, when when Gale was in, and Gale didn't play. You know, Gale played 28 minutes. He only had four points. Like, I don't think Smith was bad defensively, and that's all you're hoping for from Smith. You just hope for decent on defense, um, and you you live from there. I think there was a couple times where you know you get caught in, kind of poking in, and things can happen from there. Where he is being aggressive for steals, good. Sometimes that leads to open threes elsewhere, but. I just think there's there's a lot of like um, not a lot, but oh my laptop is freezing, so I can't pull up anything right now. That's unfortunate. Um, I think there's just you know there's the comments. Um, where's well, this was all for nothing. My bad. There's some comments in the in the chat. I think especially from like Corey Lesney, who's in here all the time. And as much as maybe I disagree, I do genuinely appreciate you being in here and supporting us. Um, just saying how Corey needs to pass the ball or uh, not Corey brain needs to pass the ball more. And now he wasn't hitting guys. And I didn't see that today personally. Uh, um, I think he said he was trying to play too much hero ball. Like in a game like this, where it just feels like nothing's really working. Braden is absolutely one of the two guys I trust to get the ball to um, let him create. And, and it's not going to be perfect. And you're going to have, I always reference that North, that first Northwestern game, right? Where he had six turnovers and, and a lot of it was late in the game when he was gassed and he just forced, He's really seemed to overcome that. Like, I just, I think he's playing much, much better, even in his court, like his not as good games. Um, like this wasn't like a superb brain Smith game. And I still think he had positive impacts. So, uh, you know, it is in general, nobody played well. And, and that does extend to brain in terms of the energy at times, I think, but in general also, I think like 
he's just a guy that you live with what he can do because he is a guy that you can give the ball and just say, we're going to run pick and roll and see what happens from there. So um, not, not his best game by any means, but I still don't think it was a bad game at all from Braden. No, I, I thought Braden was good. Um, I, I kind of get where he was coming from a little bit because there were a couple times today where I, I thought there was a guy that was open that, that was the easy pass and he tried to make the hard pass. Um, and, and it didn't necessarily always lead to a turnover. I, I just, I just thought sometimes it wasn't there. I honestly thought he, like, I, I've mentioned it earlier, but I thought he tried to force feed the post. Um, I, I thought Purdue did in general at times today where I, I thought there were some guys open for some outside shots uh, that we just didn't hit. Um, and I mean, the one that specifically jumps out to me is like Colvin was wide open from three within the first 30 seconds that he came into the game and, and we just miss him and we force feed the post. And I, I, I don't remember if that led to a turnover or just a missed shot, but it was there. We didn't take it. Um, and just a couple of times today, but like Braden was good. Braden was really good. Um, before the game, I, I said, for whatever reason, I don't know why I felt it, but I thought this might be a triple double watch. And the way the game started, I was like, "Oh, I am gonna, I'm gonna look like a genius," because he had like four assists, a couple of rebounds, and like six points, like real quick. Um, and then things got quiet for a little while. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I get, I get where Corey's coming from there. Um, okay. I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't think it was a bad game, but I, I understand that there were a couple of moments where you were like, oh, "Okay," like there was maybe a better, a, ba a better and a simpler pass to make for a guy that was open at that specific time. Yeah, you know, everybody. It's like a catch twenty two. Everybody's like, "Oh, you know, this is all they have is feeding it into Zach Eady. He's the national player of the year. <laughs> You're gonna get him the ball." <laughs> And, and I get, you know, that everything starts with that. Now, I thought Ohio State did a fantastic job of ball denial where they were making it really hard for them to get their entry pass into there. But all the guys that were in foul trouble for Ohio State, both their bigs and battle, they all had four fouls apiece and, and one guy fouled out. That's also a part of Purdue's plan. That's That's why Purdue wins a lot of games. They get guys in foul trouble, which changes their rota team's rotations. And then then Purdue just kind of leans on that war of attrition and then eventually just kind of takes over the game in the second half. Now, it felt like Ohio State had a lot of different guys to throw at Zach to, to kind of rack up those fouls. But had this game gone to overtime, Ohio State would have been playing with one hand tied behind their back. But because three of their key contributors were about to foul out or had already fouled out. So if you say, hey, don't throw it into Zach, you know, let's kick it out to the three-point line, you're not going to get those fouls that play into your advantage. And if you are going to kick it out, those guys got to shoot the basketball. And so, you know, would, would Colvin? I mean, Colvin's got a, a trigger. He's not afraid to take. But at the same time, not everybody was – I saw a lot of guys, you know, looking hesitant, even if – you know, I thought Ohio State was doing a good job of defending the three-point line. So you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Um, you know, Braden Smith is getting it into the National Player of the Year. So, you know, you know, can there be more across the board? I saw somebody point out Lance Jones was the only person to hit a three in this game. You know, that's not good. You know, you've got more than just Lance Jones that could knock down a three. So you've got to be able to 
you know, spread that out a little more, but at the same time, you know, uh, I'm never going to complain about trying to get it into the national player of the year who literally affects everyone around him on his team in a positive way and affects everything around him, uh, on the opposing team in a very much negative way. So, uh, that's, that's kind of where I stand with it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, like you do have to get Zach the ball. He's the national player of the year. You need him to get going. You need him to score. You need him to do all those sort of things. I, I'd kind of like to go to TKR here. Um, okay. And that that's kind of where I'd like to go next. And okay. uh, if you uh, want to just re, read yeah, that I'll, stat line off. Yeah, I'll fire this off as, as Joe just ran off and is expecting the old guys to read these lines. 12 points on five of six shooting, two of two from the free throw line. Uh, three total rebounds on the day, two assists, one foul, one turnover in 22 minutes of action, uh, plus minus of minus seven. So here's my thing. We we have, like, Painter has shown oftentimes that either to start the game or at the very beginning of the second half that they're going to focus on TKR. And a lot of that is they feel like there's going to be so much focus on Zach Eady. Um, that TKR is going to get one-on-one coverage and they feel like that TKR can take anybody else's four in the post at any time. And he proved that today. He did it. Every time they went to TKR down low, what he missed one shot, he was perfect from the free throw line for a guy that's shooting like 60% on the year or something like that. And he did it. There was a piece of me today that were, was saying, why did we go away from it? Because, like, I, I get it. You kind of do it so they soften up that double or they come a little bit slower because they're worried about focusing on TKR. But there was a piece of me today that was just saying, like, why not have that NBA mindset of just keep feeding TKR until they prove that they can stop it? Because at no point in this game did they prove that they could stop TKR. And, like, yeah, Zach gets his double-double, but he has six turnovers in that time frame. Also, and TKR is just abusing Ohio State. So there's a piece of me looking back on today that's like, why why did we go away from that? Um, and Mason didn't really contribute a ton offensively today. And TKR was smoking. And I like some of the college coaching mindset versus what whatever we want to say about NBA guys not being successful. Like you look at what Woodson did to us last year at Purdue at IU he found a single matchup and he just abused it over and over and over again and today TKR was rolling like maybe we should just kind of gone with that NBA mindset and said hey this in this specific game yeah we know that ED is our best player we know that Smith is our second best player but we have a matchup right now that's smoking they can do nothing against it just keep feeding that single dude, that single matchup where we clearly have an advantage. Well, and I, and I, and I also think TKR is probably a little cleaner of a passer than Zach is, uh, you know, to kick it out. A, a lot of times Zach frustrates, you know, cause I know he's got three guys on him, swiping at him, you know, following him half the time, but it does seem like Zach has trouble getting clean, passes back to the three-point line and, and TKR is is pretty good with with his handles and his passing so you know to your point I, I think you know um yeah I loved the way they started the game I loved the way they started the game and, and I, I hope to see more of that because I think that's a nice curveball 
for teams that are ready to load up on Zach. Hold on. I, yeah, I got to read this. Read this, Greg. I need you to read this because he blew, Corey, he blew, he blew me shit for so long this year. Corey, you have to read it. Corey Lesney, as the season goes on, the more I'm agreeing with Craig, it's making me sick. Now, <laughs> now that's, that's reaching the next echelon here, Craig. Now, if you can win over Bitcoin, you've, you've now gotten Corey. So if you win over <laughs> Bitcoin, you know, I think that's like hitting the infinity gauntlet. You know, you've got, you've got some of the main gemstones here on your hand. So congratulations to you, Craig. Corey is team Craig. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Cause okay. TKR absolutely abused Mahaffey. And that's where a lot of his post-ups came, especially early on. I thought Ohio state switched what they were kind of doing and they threw Royal in for a bit. Who's a bigger body. Um, I'm not saying that. Painter, Painter probably, or I am saying Painter probably should have still went to TKR more. I agree with you there. Like, if he has it going, just work, just go for it. Um, I do think, like, when Painter did a good job when Mahaffey was in on TKR, that's when TKR really got the ball. Mahaffey just couldn't handle him down low. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree that they should have probably gone to it more, but I think what Painter Wiley was looking at was he really, really liked the Mahaffey matchup. And then when Mahaffey wasn't in there, I don't think he liked the matchup quite as much. Um, but even at time, I mean, like Battle was playing the four times. There's no way Battle could guard TKR if he was in. Um, also, just uh, this is a little bit of where the Purdue rotation kind of bites them is TKR for as much as people have hated it all year, right? Everybody's like, why is TKR starting and all that? Um, and and th that's calmed down over the past however many games. But TKR plays the first four or five minutes, and then he comes out for the next usually eight to ten. And Painter did stick with that in the first half. Um, and same thing with the second half. So well, there's, there's that part of it too. Well, let's look at that. I mean, you got the rotation chart, which I always enjoy. Um, tell me what the hell I'm looking at now, Joe. So um, anybody watching on video, if you're listening on audio, I'm, I'm sorry, this is more of a visual thing, but I'll do my best to explain. There is a grid um, at any box that is colored. That means that that player was in for that minute. Um, and then so it just kind of shows who was on the floor at the same time. Below Josh first, it says Purdue margin. That was what that lineup was, plus or minus, while you know that lineup was on the floor. So you know starters come in that first half there, plus four, um, and you can just kind of read it from there. So this TKR, uh, he comes in the first five, he sits for a few, and come. He actually played a lot more in the first half than usual, and so I think in the second half, TKR probably could have gotten going more, except for first was playing well. You see at that second half with ten minutes left, um, first comes in and that lineup's plus you know, plus seven over the span of four minutes. I, I think Painter just was kind of rolling with first there at that point. And then it kind of got hard to, you give, you run TKR for four or five minutes, then you give Gillis his stints. Usually it's TKR or Gillis for pretty much the rest of the way, but because first played so well, he's in for that six minutes. And so now uh, just hard getting a rhythm in, but I do agree in general with you, Craig, like I don't quite get why TKR didn't get the ball more. Like he showed against Illinois, he has the capability of doing it. And, and this was one where, they probably just forced to eat a bit more than what they needed. Um, so, is there anything? So, so am I seeing this correct? A couple minutes in the first half, and then a couple minutes at the end of the game, where where Zach Eady, Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Caleb first were all on the floor at the same time. No, you are not what? seeing that correctly. <laughs> How am I not seeing that right? So at, at the end, where, where, with three minutes and two minutes left, you've got. Wait. All right. Never mind. I'll shut up. <laughs> I was looking at Ethan Morton's. 
Never mind. Got you. Got you. Yeah, no, no. Always, always just always one of Gillis to hear. So hard. You know how hard this segment is for me, but I do enjoy it. You're good. You're good. (laughs) So other than that, though, I don't think in terms of what Painter does, there was nothing out of the ordinary. Um, what maybe Painter should have done, that's probably up for debate more, but uh, that was just that was probably the one thing Tana to point out with that as well. Okay. All right. Who do you want to talk about next before I completely derail this show with my nonsense? Um, I mean, we've already talked about lawyer kind of ad nauseum. I don't think we need to go back over that. Um, specifically, I, actually, I, had, I had one thing to lawyer really quick, and, and yeah. I know he played terrible. I'm going to throw in something slightly positive. That first half, that first half especially, I understand why lawyer got the minutes he did because when you go back to Minnesota, lawyer was getting attacked. So you, you take him out. That first half, Lawyer was fine defensively. He really was. Battle didn't get going at all. Um, and then even the second half, there was good chunks where he was fine. But then there was also times where he let Battle get going. Um, and, and so that's when when he has to be taken out is when he's really getting attacks like that. But that first half, I did think he was fine defensively. And he just was not, wasn't not good offensively. Um, and Craig, I know you, you shouted out the towards the end. They gave up the three. That is one where... I need. I want to go back and watch it for sure, but Thornton was driving middle, I believe, and Lawyer digs in. I don't. That I don't know. I don't know what Painter wants in that spot where it it might like. There's a decent chance Lawyer or Painter said we're digging in on Thornton and we're going to make him pass the ball and that's going to give up the open three. There's also a decent chance that Lawyer was not supposed to do that at all and messed up his defensive assignment and gave up an open three. But I do. I did want to just give that quickly. Um, because he was, I don't think in the first half he was bad at all. Like I don't, he, it wasn't to the point in that first half where I thought he had to be benched second half, different story. Well, no, I, I, I think you're hundred percent right that he wants lawyer to dig in that situation. And my, my point is the recovery speed and recovery mm-hmm. length between gotcha. him compared to Ethan Morton or Cam Heidi in that situation is completely different because he's like a, he's like a half second slow on that closeout. We'll add three inches to Morton, add three inches to Cam Heidi and their speed, right? I mean, I love Fletch. I love what he brings to the game with the physical attributes that he has, the fact that he's still able to do the things and contribute and score at a high level at the college game. But Morton and Heidi are both closing out faster and they have more length in that situation. So I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm just saying (laughs) doing the same thing right I think the other two people can have more of an impact doing the exact same thing, um, I, I guess is what I'm saying. And I look, yeah, battle didn't get going in the first half, but didn't have to because yeah. Lance Jones was getting cooked by Thornton for friggin' 17 minutes in the first half. Um, and Lance came out with a completely different intensity in the second half. Uh, but we've said that two or three games in a row now. Uh, mm-hmm. or three out of four games. And and Lance has to come out with that same defensive intent. Unless there's something, like if you go back and watch those games and you're saying, okay, Painter changed something about how they're attacking or approaching it defensively, then my only takeaway is Lance, the fact that Lance <laughs> shut guys down in the second half primarily compared to the first half is is his intensity or effort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I didn't see anything schematically that I thought they did differently against Thornton from the first half to the second half. So all I can think is, I mean, fighting through the screen a little harder, but like, I mean, they were just doing the Jalen hood, Shafino, you know, recipe of 
Go ahead. But that's not schematics. That's just effort, right? right. And, and right. I think he just brought more effort to doing that in the second half, and he needs to do that for all 40. Well, but that's what I – I mean, that was a point that I wanted to ask, you know, you guys – and I, and I feel like we've been through this with Jalen Hood Shafino last year, um, you know, versus Purdue. And I, I so I essentially kind of know the answer. We want Thornton to take those shots because he was hitting them all, you know, coming off, you know, pick and roll ball screen, then getting in the mid range where Edie is kind of giving a little bit of space, but still protecting the rim. And it's like, you don't like it's it's right it, like college basketball has become chase them off the three-point line don't let them get an easy layup but then for players like that where that's kind of their their bread and butter is that mid-range game like what else do you want a guy to do he can't like all right so lance jones fought through the screen a little better in the second half but at the end of the day a lot of the shots thornton was making were tough shots like they were you know it wasn't like you know, he was completely left, you know, Lance was eventually coming around the screen, but when a guy is screened, he's screened. He can't just bowl through the guy that's picking him. And so I like, sometimes I just kind of like, isn't there a, isn't there an aspect at some point where you have to tip your cap? I mean, you're shaking your head. No, I, I, I don't. Cause I, I don't um, know what, because, because Jordan hood Shafino shot like for hey, anyone to one, 20, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. He, he's from friggin' IU. I don't care if I know his first name. Um, he shot like 28% on those shots coming into the game or whatever. Some, something ridiculously low coming into those Purdue games and then just went nuclear specifically against Purdue. Everybody knows that Bruce Thornton can hit those shots. Like, like that's who Thornton is. And I, I thought they made a concerted effort early to keep him from getting to that. And then he hits those first two threes, right? Like two of his first three shots were made threes. So then you start to press up on that harder. Look it up, Joe. I'm pretty sure. Thorn? Thorn yeah. had one three on the game. Okay. One of his first two shots were threes, like I was saying. Um, but then I, I didn't even think a lot of those came out of true ball. I'm, I mean, some of them did, but I thought some of them were just, him attacking people. And there was a couple times he like went all the way under the rim and then turned around and shot a little five footer on the other side and whatnot. And you just can't let you let Thornton get Thornton get into the paint at all. Whether it's a, a a layup, a two foot shot, a three foot shot, or an eight foot shot, like Thornton is capable of hitting those. So you, you can't want him to do it. So you're saying Zach needs to step up a little more when Thornton comes up on the screen? Cause doesn't that open up the layup or do you come completely out of man to man? No, no. So I will say Thorn, like it wasn't like Thornton had a Jalen hood, Shafino game. Well, it felt, it he felt like, he, it. no, I'm, I'm, he did it. A lot of his scoring was in a similar fashion. Thorn had 22 points on 17 shots. Like it wasn't like he was like absolutely nuclear. And a lot of it was the second half too. Um, and that first, that first half he was cooking for five of 10, uh, 14 points on five of 10 shooting one of four from three. There wasn't a, like the other thing we haven't really mentioned is there was an adjustment, especially probably six minutes left in the game. Those last six, like Edie was higher up. Like, like at some point painter did make the yep. adjustment of Edie's yep. going to be two steps higher and just, you live with whatever happens elsewhere. Um, but in general, like just 
the mid-range shot is even Thornton. Like I kind of looked it up, he's shooting roughly like 44% on the year from mid-range. Just when you, in general, like you live with that because in the long run, it's just not going to work as much. And then in the short run, you have to make the adjustments. Um, and some of it is fighting through better. And some of it is just, you know, I, I like Edie played a little bit higher towards the end of the game and, and forced really just some passes. Thorne did, um, did, Corey said, did, did more than let Thorne in the paint once in the second half? In the second half, I mean, I'm sure at some point, yes, just going to say yes. I don't think, because like, I don't think Morton was good on in the first half off defensively um, on right. Thorne either. Like, it wasn't like, it was kind Nobody of like, the, it was the Minnesota game, that Minnesota half, where it's like, Morton was getting cooked, Jones was getting cooked, Lawyer couldn't do anything defensively, and, and then Colvin and Heidi are where they're at defensively. Um, and there just was no answer. Jones and Morton, much better job in the second half, but uh it's one of those like offenses and, and players, even in the college level, when there isn't obviously there's like a tenth of the skill as in the NBA. Um, like these players are just so skilled on offense, and these coaches are so good at this point that you have to give up something. Like like on defense, for the most part, you just have to pick what you want to give up. Uh, whether it be forced tough threes, whether it be you know we're going to force people to try to get to the rim, like. Unless you're like an elite, elite defense, you're probably going to have to give up something. And, and P- Painter and, and a lot of coaches choose to give up that mid-range. And Painter just has to adjust if players are knocking it down. <laughs> I thought Craig was going with something. He, he no, like I, I was thinking. And I, I, guess, I guess where I'm going with this is, um, man, we, we tend to defend teams that have one guard we can lay off of at a really high level. Uh, but when all guards and wings can score, so, uh, I mean, against Ohio State, you've got Thornton, you've got Battle, you've got, uh, shoot, what's the other guy's name, Joe? Thornton, it's, Battle, it's, Gale? Gale, yeah. All three of those guys can score. Um, and I guess I'm thinking, like, Northwestern, I'm thinking Nebraska for that specific game because they were all cooking, like, when we when we can't protect, um, right? Because I mean, Smith is okay defensively. Lawyer is a def- defensive liability. Jones is a plus defender by and large. Uh, when we can't lay off of one one of the three guard slash wings, and to kind of protect the weak weak defender on the perimeter, uh, we tend to struggle and. That's a little bit scary when you think about March if you run into certain teams. Now, as I think about the potential bracket that I saw, (laughs) and I think about even other teams that were in that top 16, there's only like two or three where I'm like, they've got three dudes that can go score, right? Um, But if you get that matchup, that scares me. So uh, if I little trivia before we get into a couple more players before we wrap this thing up, if I were to tell you Boo Booey was 0 of 8 with no field goals and nine minutes left in the game, what would you say the score of the IU Northwestern game is? Northwestern like up 30. <laughs> yeah, 0 of 8. Boo Booey has four points on the day, no field goals as he's putting up a three. Right now, just as I say that, the jinx. The reverse jinx, Boo Booey just buries a three to put 
Northwestern up 58-47 with eight minutes and 30 seconds to play, but had no field goals up to that point. And Northwestern's looking to uh, take down the Hoosiers on the road in Assembly Hall. Um, so, you know, Northwestern, because they lost Ty Berry for the year, um, yep. you know, they're going to be, you know, scratching and clawing to make the tournament for the third time in the last five years, but uh, a scrappy team nonetheless. Uh, Chris Collins, as much as I can't stand him, uh, does a pretty good job coaching. So you got to tip your cap over there. Um, so yeah, a couple more players and then we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. This has been an intense post game show, really getting into the weeds of this. Uh, we don't, we don't always, uh, yes, IU is terrible. TTG. There's, I just, I, I had, I had to put that up to feel better about myself. It's very good analysis by TTG. He's a hundred percent right. IU is terrible. Uh, and their fans are seeing that firsthand right now at Assembly Hall. Does Greg, Greg, is yeah. your childhood self hurt by that? No, it isn't, Craig. My childhood <laughs> self isn't hurt by that because my adult self realizes how much of a dumbass my childhood self was. Uh, so, uh, you know, you get smarter with old age, and that is why you are a genius, Craig. <laughs> gotcha. So, <laughs> what? What players are you? Wait, are you calling me old? No, I'm not calling you old. Yeah, I did just call you old. It's a little bit of old joke, you know. And now that I'm not a bricklayer anymore, because when I was a bricklayer, I used to make fun of all the old time bricklayers. So I don't really get to fire off too many old people jokes anymore. So yeah, you just caught a stray, but you deserved it. <laughs> Making fun of my dumbass childhood self. So what other players before we wrap this up? I mean, we, we've really kicked it around the horn really talking from an individual standpoint about a lot of these players already. So I don't know if there's anybody else you guys want to key in on before have, we uh, get to the super chats and call it a day. Have we like hit on Edie enough this game? No, like, we can. We, we, we can. I know we've talked about him. Yeah, we've talked about him, but we haven't talked specifically as far as his statistical impact on the game. We've talked about how Ohio State certainly made life difficult on him, but here's Zach Eady's stats for the game. 22 points on 7-11 of shooting, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, perfect day from Zach and the entire team, 13 rebounds, 7 defensive, 6 offensive, 3 assists, 2 fouls, 6 turnovers, 3 blocks in 33 minutes of play. He had a plus 10 in the plus minus column where when you look down, if you're watching this on YouTube, when you look down the plus minus column, a lot of minuses out there. And uh, the only two with uh, a plus on their side are Zach Eady at plus 10 and plus two for Lance Jones. So, yeah, I, I mean, we can start there. Purdue was a minus 14 in seven minutes where Eady was off the floor. Um, you can, Eady didn't have a great game. With the six turnovers, obviously he had success when he wasn't turning it over, and I think he was pretty good defensively for the most part. Um, but Purdue has to figure out a way when Edie gets in foul trouble like this. Like they, it, they don't need to necessarily win the Edie minutes or the non-Edie minutes, but at the same time, they got to keep it close. You can't be minus fourteen in seven minutes with Edie off the floor. I know he's the best player in the country and all of that, but this is too talented of a team to have that happen to them. Um, now going specifically to Edie. This is one of those games, and, and we we say it all the time at this point, where it's just like twenty two and fourteen. You take that every time, and, but it just wasn't like a great ED game. And, and the six turnovers was the key, and key Zed key um, did just a great job. And we've kind of talked about this of swiping in on the post ups. I, I think Edie's bringing the ball down a little bit lower, maybe than than he has been at lately, uh, and also just 
didn't quite adjust. I think you know when at this point when Key has two or three on you already, you just gotta you gotta go quick. You gotta try to keep the ball away as much as you can. And this is e much easier said than done. But um, the just yeah, just has to figure out a way to to keep control of the ball because it wasn't necessarily like Ohio State was doubling all the time, right? This wasn't one of those where he has four or five turnovers and it's because they hard double and basically shove him out of his cylinder and, and you know he has to throw a wild pass. This was just more pretty good one-on-one -on -one defense and Edie losing that matchup on those. Pretty good elsewhere. And then defensively, like, um, and a day where Purdue's defense wasn't good and Edie at times also was just okay. It, it's just the, the, the minus 14 in the seven minutes that he was off is because Edie's not there to protect the rim. Like, teams are just so, like, teams have to be so relieved. Thorne, Gale, like, they just have to be so happy to see go Edie go off the floor because they're like, hey, I can actually, like, try to go to the rim now. And they did it. They, they took advantage. Um, but yeah, one of those where it's Edie puts up pretty good numbers, but still, I don't think anybody would say it was like a good Edie game. Or a great yeah. game. Yeah. And like, yeah, you look at the points and the rebounds and that's impressive. And I, I promise you, I, I've been around Zach enough in post-game press conferences. I, I've listened to him. I can promise you that if anybody asks Zach whether he played a good game today, he he's not going to say that he did. Uh, he he's. I feel like Zach would be the first person to admit that, right? So Purdue loses the game by four points today. Zach has six turnovers. Ohio State converted twenty-two points off of fourteen turnovers. That's seventy-nine percent. Okay, Zach has six turnovers. You assume two points per turnover. Seventy-nine percent of that is nine points. Okay. I'm just saying, if you look at the statistical uh, side of this in terms of where things are going, I'm not saying that Zach Eady lost this game. I'm just saying if you if you break things down from a turnover standpoint, where the turnovers came from, there's no way that Zach's going to say he played a good game today uh, because those turnovers directly led to points in a very close game. He's going to walk away saying that he didn't feel like he played good today. and. Always have to be impressed with a guy that puts up a double-double. Always going to have to be impressed with a guy that fights for rebounds like he does. And obviously, Purdue was net positive while he was in the game. But those turnovers were killer. Right. Yep. And and so this will easily be the dumbest thing I ever ask as somebody who's watched basketball my entire life. So get ready. I know Joe's smiling because I've said a lot of dumb shit here on our Boilers in the Stand shows. When you get blocked, that hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me hit record first. Yeah, hit record. So when you get blocked, that's not a that's not a turnover, correct? When you no. get blocked and it goes the other way, because how many times did that happen? So you have the six turnovers and points off of those turnovers, but Zach also was blocked multiple times. Whether it was on the swipe down by Key, no, the, the the swipe down's a turnover. The swipe down isn't a block. No. It's 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 a steal. That's surprising. Yeah. I would have thought it, that, that if, would be if, if it's if it's not like up here to chess level, if it's like down at his waist, that's a steal. Interesting. It's one of the many flaws in defensive stats because it's like that's it's, that, it's one of those you I could would, call it either I'm way. Glad I brought this, this up. See, this, this is the is, this is the term. this is a perfect example of how there are no stupid questions because from my standpoint, that's a block. That's not a steal. Like, I, I don't know how you guys look at it, but he's going up with it. Yeah, he comes down on it quickly, but he's in his shooting motion. You know, he's going into his shooting motion. He's, so I, he's I, still, that's gathering. There's the gather, 
Like okay. dribble, dribble, bring the ball in, gather, and then you go to your shooting motion. And most of those happened on the gather. Okay. And hey, credit, credit Ohio State. Because you could tell that that was something that they brought up in the film room. Because it was, it, it was like right from the jump. They knew that if Zach brought the ball down, put the ball on the floor, they wanted every guy to swipe down. And, and like I, I made a comment about it on Twitter during the game, and somebody said fouls or strips. And there wasn't a, of the first four turnovers anyway. Um, there wasn't a single one of those that I thought was even close to a foul. The very last one of the game, I'd love to go back and watch that replay because I felt like it looked know, like they, maybe I, I felt like maybe I felt like maybe he caught some arm, but for the most part, those were clean strips. Yeah, that was frustrating because that was the one they didn't show on the telecast, and the you know the announcers like, well, from my eyes, it looked clean. I was like, how about all of our eyes? Let's show the replay. <laughs> you know, like yeah. But at the end of the day, they didn't call it, so it wouldn't have mattered even if the replay showed that he did get him in, and really like you know, playing that aggressively on Zach when he's going up with the basketball is a 50, 50 proposition that you're going to get a clean swipe. And so, you know, they were, they were batting, you know, uh, like nine out of 10, it felt like they got clean swipes on. So there's a little bit of luck that plays into that too. Well, and, and Greg, there's more than just that moment that goes into that because if Zach's putting the ball on the floor, that means one of two things. Either he doesn't have deep enough post position to start with, so he has to put the ball on the floor to try to dig deeper, which they did multiple times. He was too far out where he caught the ball, so he felt like he had to put the ball on the floor to try to gain another step or two before he turned and made his post move, which then allows that defender to make that swipe down. And or they forced Purdue late enough in the shot clock that Zach catches the ball doesn't feel like he can kick it back out and has to make a move wherever he's at and also digs down because we've seen the shooting percentage drop dramatically if he's at five, six, seven feet. So he feels like he's got to get closer. So again, credit to Ohio state for watching film and saying, if he puts the ball on the floor, swipe down because there's a good chance you can get it, but also credit Ohio state for the work they did before that to either push him out further or to make him catch that ball later in the shot clock to where they know he's got to have to put the ball on the floor. So, like, whatever we want to say about how Purdue played today, Ohio State did some really good things defensively against Zach to force those things to happen. Yep. Blake Widmer here in the chat saying, just a reminder to Purdue fans, you can block IU trolls, three little dots on the right. Uh, we'll do just that for you. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if Joe agrees with what I just said there. You, yeah, go you, ahead, Joe. Like, I, I was waiting for the confirmation from Joe. Uh, about like this, you know, once the ball goes on the floor, strip yeah, down. Yeah, type, yeah. 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 No, I think that's a, like, that's probably one of the better ways you can beat Edie because at that point too, you're not full on doubling. And sometimes Purdue is just able to pick apart the doubles. And now you're on defense. You have to try to rotate everywhere. If you're just digging into strip or the, whoever's defending him, like, like he did today, I think that's a good call. You're going to get, you're going to get a foul or two with it also, and you're going to get fouls anyway. So you just live with it. Um, and I, I think it's no, I, I thought, I thought a large chunk of them were clean, at least off first, you know, first rip. Um, maybe if I went back and watched, but at that point it's, I, you know, if, if you, if you have to go back and rewatch strips to complain about refs for Purdue losing by four at Ohio state, like, I, I think there's just probably bigger issues to do. 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. Nobody here is complaining about the refs here on Boilers in the stands, and I know that when Purdue wins, that's always the point of conversation for every team that plays them. And today, we've seen UConn fans here in our chat. We've seen IU fans here in our chat. We've seen my guy Chubbs, who's an Illinois fan, here in our chat. And uh, so, you know, hey, we're flattered. We appreciate you guys turning it, tuning into Boilers coverage. Uh, we know you're thinking about us as the kids say rent free. Um, you know, speaking of fouls, before we get into some of the chats that we've highlighted here for today, Corey Lesney was asking, and I saw you commented on it, Craig. So I didn't know if you wanted, um, to double back on this, but he's asking Craig, did you think Morton fouled battle at the end of the game on that put up where battle got sent to the free throw line, you know, where he mid range. Right. So when I initially watched the replay, I did not think so. Uh, but Isaiah Walker chimed. Isaiah, we've not brought Isaiah on all I know, year. We've, I know. we've got to bring Isaiah on, guys, I know. at some point. Um, but like Purdue's beaten people so badly, and like there hasn't been that many games that we've been like we have to bring somebody on for foul content. Um, but um, Isaiah corrected, corrected, corrected. Sorry, corrected me really quickly and said that Ethan definitely caught him on the elbow. I he missed did. that when I watched the replay. So, yeah, I'm wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. I, 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 I'm I, not like some other people. I, I can definitely admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong then. I yeah. was wrong a couple other times in my life, but just two other times total. Two other times. We'll mark it down. Yeah, I agree. He did get him on the arm. It was unfortunate. He had to try to recover. He got caught on the pump fake, and, and then when he – tried to recover he caught him across the arm so unfortunate moment yeah. there go ahead i was go. gonna say i thought even live like it was just like you could just i thought you could see battle's arm move a bit yeah, yeah. And just like yeah he just yeah. it's barely but when it's a jump shot like that that's just that's a foul every time unfortunately yeah i mean there was the one point where zach at the end of the game was trying to talk to the ref before he shot some free throws out of the timeout and the ref was kind of like telling him to stop talking to him and i did think that was pretty interesting you know, this isn't going to be a bitch about the ref show. We'll let other uh, fan bases in the Big Ten do that. But, you know, I you know, I, I did find it curious. You know, you're talking about a national player of the year, soon to be two-time national player of the year, trying to have a conversation with the refs and, and the ref not really letting them have much to say on it. So um, uh, certainly something of note. And if I were Painter and Zach, I would get even harder on the refs if it were me personally going forward. Uh, I think they've earned their equity to uh you know to get some to get some leverage towards the refs who don't do a good job across the entire big 10 this isn't just a purdue or ohio state issue game to game i do not think the refs do a very good job in the big 10 all due respect i know it's not an easy job for them to do well, I mean, there's not Big Ten refs. It's not like we have Big Ten refs, Big East well, refs. Well, whoever like, the hell still... those people are, they're sucking. <laughs> 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 but thank you for the clarity. They're not Big Ten refs. They're they're uh, they're everywhere, screwing up other conferences as well. Uh, but they're always the usual suspects. Uh, we always know their names. Uh, so let's get into some of the highlighted comments before we call it a day here. Uh, been a fun show. Andy Buck. From Cobra Stats, after shooting 20 to 20 from the foul line today, I was going to bring this up. Purdue oh, is go ahead. Go ahead. Shooting, Purdue is now shooting 79.1% from the line on the road 
and 69.2% from the line at home. So Painter Painter always brings up that free throws is a matter of focus. So so this stat for to some degree makes sense to me because like when you're on the road, you've got to be extra lock in. You've got that environment of screaming fans around you and you just have to like hone in and be super focused. So to some degree, this makes a little bit of sense to me of those guys are going to be extra locked in when they shoot that. Like Painter says all the time, everybody on this team can shoot free throws. It's just a matter of, of focus and, and being locked in when you do it. The other amusing stat to me, Greg, is since 2008, Cobra Stats put this up. Shout out Cobra Stats because yep. you're awesome. We love you. Um, you were on a show with Joe. I didn't get to be on. I think I was out that day, uh, but would love to meet you sometime. In since 2008, Purdue has shot 100% from the free throw line six times. Purdue is one in five in those games. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that's, weird, that's, a, that's a crazy stat <laughs> yeah it's random that just goes to show you the the randomness that is sports sometimes okay let's get through it here um uh we got one seven three nine two or i seven three nine two i don't yeah. know maybe that's this person's prison number i don't know yukon has four to five guys that can take over a game in crunch time, we only have one. I starred this one because I wanted to come back to it. Uh, I disagree. I, I I trust Edie. I trust Braden. I trust half of Lance Jones. Like at some point, Lance Jones can have it. So I just wanted to push. I'm I'm not disagreeing with the UConn part at all because UConn looks like they're just rolling through everybody right now. Um, but I, I would I would disagree with that. Purdue only has one right now. Is all I kind of wanted to mention about that. Yep. I, I, yeah, I and and the Big East is friggin' terrible beyond the top two. Creighton is a fraud. I don't care. Look, look at me. Focus in on me right now, Greg. Highlight yep. me. Yep, I got you. Creighton is a fraud. They are on fraud watch. They are not a good team. Everybody beyond Creighton in the Big East is a bubble team at best and doesn't deserve to be in. Uh, the Big East is a bad league beyond the top two teams. I don't care what anybody else says. I'll take the Big Ten's top five or six over the Big East. Uh, five or six, like five to six, matchup to matchup. I'll take the Big Ten every day. Um, we're just still like living off last year's high about the Big East in terms of how good we think the Big East is. You can take me back off now. Yeah, well, it, our, to, to push back just a little bit, but is Wisconsin on fraud watch after losing five of six, or are they just in a tougher conference? Let's not get into semantics, Greg. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just interesting because <laughs> no, but and, some of those, and, some of some of those teams that Wisconsin lost to are the team, other teams that I think are really good in this league. Yeah, um, well, just but, because I mean, winning on the road at Wisconsin at the time they were number six team in the country, and that felt really good. Then they lose five of six since that game, and now they're about to fall out of the top twenty-five. And now all of a sudden, you're like, well. You know, in Northwestern, to, to no fault of their own, they lost Ty Berry for the year. I mean, they're about to get a win without Ty Berry on the road at Assembly Hall. They're up 63 to 54 with uh, three minutes and 50 seconds to play. And it's so, you know, I agree. Big Ten's more competitive. I'd take them against the Big East any day. But this isn't exactly a very strong year for the Big Ten either. It's essentially. But but who is? Like, I, I would take the. um uh what what league is San Diego State in, Joe? Midwest. Mountain, or West. Mountain West, sorry. Yeah. I, I would put 
Like, if you're going to go one through five, I'd take the Big 12 and the Mountain West. Like, to me, I, I the Mountain West doesn't have a top-tier team like the Big 12, the Big 10, the Big East. But if you're going to go one through five, I'll take the Mountain West, and I will take uh, the Big 12. And then I think every other conference in the country is friggin' suspect. Yeah, um, Brian Bennett here in the chat saying Purdue is undefeated versus the Big East the past three years. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, so interesting as we get closer, you know, we've got a few more super chats to roll through. Let me see what we got here. Uh, David Jenkins, I pulled this up a little earlier, but I pulled it up one more time. Part of the issue with Zach's turnovers is that he was receiving entry passes when in triple coverage. We've certainly touched a lot on that here today. Brad Salt, who's been in the chat here today a lot, and we appreciate his support, said guard play will obviously make or break us in March. Do we have a reason to be concerned, Craig, not feeling too good about this? I don't think we have as much reason to be concerned as we were concerned at the same point last year because we we did not have an option as good as Lance Jones. And if you look at those, you know, whatever, one, two, three spots, right? We, we didn't have an option as good as Lance last year on this team. Um, if you're a little bit concerned about the recent downside from Fletcher, I get that. I still think Fletcher's going to come out of this. We've seen these up and down swings from Fletcher for the last two years. I think he comes out of it and starts to find his range again. And hopefully that comes in March. Uh, but I think Lance gives him, even though he missed those layups today, that was just really friggin' random for Lance. Uh, yeah. I think Lance brings an added dynamic of being able to get to the rim, being able to get out on the break that we just didn't have last year. Yeah, I mean, the, the you said it, Craig, in our group chat. I think you said it here on the show that the headiness of that play to draw that foul uh, at the very end where he had the defender on his backside before he crossed half court, um, getting two easy free throws, stopping the clock, knocking down that three at the end after all the struggles of the game to hit that three in that moment was big time. And, right. you know, th that that's the kind of stuff – like when we continue to try to compare this team to last year, this team to years of past, you know, Lance Jones is continually the X factor as far as one of the bigger differences between this year and other teams that haven't made it. We'll just have to see if this team has enough to make it to the promised land. Uh, Craig, you're getting peppered. Blake Widmer said Thornton is talented. A hundred percent. Craig. Uh, Chad P is throwing something your way as well. Uh, I don't know what any of those words mean behind Craig. Are oh, hands. No, I'm, um, so I do, I do some work, uh, or work partnership with uh brokerage brewing company. Uh, that's where I'm at today. Uh, they had the game on today and there was a bunch of the other Purdue athletic staff, not other, I'm not part of that, <laughs> but there was some Purdue athletic staff in here watching the game today and just community around here in West Lafayette that were in here today. So, um, they told me to come in watch the game and do the post game show from here. So I guess, uh, they get a little free publicity with, uh, the signs of all their beers behind me, uh, in the shot today. Yeah. We got brokerage brewery here. Here's the, the logo. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, uh, uh, you know, live responsibly, drink quality, build community, brokerage brewing company, give them a shout out. They've always been great with us. We've done our live, you know, watch, you know, hangouts 
before games. We're going to try to do one here before the season ends where everybody can meet up. We'll get some pizzas and have a little boilers in the stands meet up if we can get that done here before the end of the year. So shout out to brokerage brewery. Let's keep kicking it around and get through this stuff. We appreciate everybody hanging out. Please hit that like button. If you're still here all this time, obviously you're enjoying what you're hearing. If you're hanging out for uh, two hours on a boilers in the stands post game show following the loss to Ohio state on the road, Brad salt. Once again, the offensive rebounding by Ohio state were timely rebounds that led to points at key moments of the game, certainly, and uh, getting out in transition, that one bucket, you know, at the end where Purdue was really clamping down, but they got a fast break bucket, a three-on-one. Uh, that was a big point in the game. Jeremy Armstrong says, trap game, guys. Holtman fired. Guys have nothing to lose. Want to make a statement and an off day for Purdue as well. Certainly, um, you know, uh, Purdue got bit by the trap here a little bit, but credit to Ohio state as well. They played a hell of a game. Um, Midwest Toker has a question for you. What was the, uh, points per possession at today, Joe? Yeah, it was 1.106, which is their seventh worst on the year, which is hilarious because, uh, let's see, 1.106 would probably, it would be probably close to average for college basketball. And that was their seventh worst offense performance. Uh, Ohio State's was. Oh, never mind. I literally, cl- I went to click it and then it said Google Chrome isn't responding and I'm getting the <laughs> circle. So uh, it well, was. But, oh. but it just, it's, it says a lot about what Ohio 1. State was. Yeah. Ohio, it's. It says a lot about what Ohio State was able to do in terms of just slowing the pace down today and making it a crawl, right? Yep, one hundred percent. Because yeah, limited possessions, and and if you are an underdog, that's that is a good way to beat. Um, if you are if you're an underdog and, and a fairly this, I don't want to say Ohio State was fairly sizable, right? It's not like it was a, a attorney game or anything like that, but. You, you generally have to be on one end of the extremes. You either have to make it like a 55 possession game because you're limiting possession. So you're limiting chances for the other team to be better over a longer period, or you just run and gun and you jack up threes and you're just trying to beat them that way. Um, and Ohio State today slowed the game down. I think it was the Purdue's second slowest pace game of the entire season. Brad Salt in the chat saying, thanks, spoilers in the stands. We sincerely appreciate all the time and work you put in. Appreciate you. Shout out to Joe and Craig, who have been absolutely killing it here this year, uh, picking up the slack while I am busy trying to figure out who the quarterback of the Chicago Bears are every day of the week and every minute of me. my life. And hopefully it's you, Joe, because uh, anybody, you know, I just, I can't talk about it anymore. Really need a final four run. In my I mean, life. Arguably, Joe would be as good as any quarterback that the Bears have had in the last 30 years. It's so. not arguable. He would be, uh, and I would be happy if I never had to talk about the court. You know, I, if, at this point, if the Bears don't want to have a quarterback at all, I almost would take that over whatever. Just, with the last uh, you need to have that coach like 10 years ago that just ran the Wildcat all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally down. I'm totally down. Uh, Jeffrey Boone, but Braden Smith is being burned out at 39 minutes per game late game turnovers because he is gassed. We did speak. We already, that. we already pulled this up. Yeah. Well, 
you know, I highlighted it. I don't know what we're doing. Uh, Joey James, only Lance Jones made a three-pointer. I brought that up earlier. You will lose a lot that way. Completely agree. Got to have some guys knocking down the three ball to really separate yourself, and Purdue just didn't do that here today. Dwayne Thomas, college basketball, bad game. Chill. This too will pass. Keep playing, and Purdue will do exactly that this upcoming Thursday against the Rutgers at Mackey arena, where we will all be on hand. Uh, why to, do you, why do you say the Rutgers? Cause I say a lot of stupid things, especially when we're I don't know, but we don't say the IU. Like, I don't understand why you say the Rutgers. I do in defense of Greg, like Bragg's like, if there was a school to just do it, the Rutgers just <laughs> makes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it just but like Ohio, Ohio State has their name trademarked to be the Ohio State. Yeah, the but the right. Rutgers University, the the whatever. But like that's not a Rutgers thing. I don't understand why you always do it. Because I'm an idiot. There's a lot of things I do, <laughs> and the explanation is is because I'm a complete moron. Uh, Brad Salt in the chat. Is this a quad two loss? How does this affect our seating, Craig? It's a quad one. Um, net net on the road is uh, they have to be as long as they're top 75. Blake, Blake Widmer's got something in the chat, too. Yeah, as long as they're top 75 away, that's a net one loss. And right now, I think Ohio State's 74, so that's still a net one. And a quad one. That they didn't, they, good thing they didn't score like five points fewer in a random game earlier, or else they'd be 76 and it'd be a quad two loss. But now that they've Joe, won, the committee does not. <laughs> this but the, is like Joe and I go back about this. He's like, well, what no. if they're 76 versus 75? And I'm like, the, it's a guideline, it's a basis. When the committee actually looks at it, they're going to take those like fine, whether you're 76 versus 75 in a win or a loss, they're going to pay attention to it as a committee. Yes, for other stuff, but like not for this stat. For this exact stat, they will not care. They they will look at seventy five and seventy six are gigantically different. I I know that I don't even know if quads are like really referenced in committee. I just think that like there. I just my thing is there has to be a better way than the quadrant system to have some sort of easily digestible way to kind of understand how teams have done against certain like. You know what it's my just, dad always used to tell me, too Joe? Much, there's too much parity. There's too many um, um, teams and good teams for <clears throat> literally like three points throughout the entire season to right. make that big of a difference. Because like a quad, you know, you go from a quad three to a quad two loss. Like that's a huge difference in how some people will view teams. And that's quite literally like three possessions. All right. All right, Joe. <clears throat> my dad always used to tell me this thing when I was growing up. He said, don't complain about something unless you have a better solution. My solution so, is, so Joe. <laughs> is and, and I don't have it all worked out. And honestly, there might be something like this already I'm unaware of. And if there is, Steph, somebody point me in that direction because that'll be what I reference. But it's some sort of like just one number. And, and I, when I think about it, I don't quite know what strength of record is. I haven't dug into it, but I assume it's got to be something like that. And so it's basically you just like you just move up or down and it gives you like a total number at the end of like, okay, this, it takes into account. This is the 78th ranked team in the nets. It's at on the road. This is the margin. And so that adds or subtracts to like your number sort of. And then from there, like the good teams that, you know, they're going to generally rise to the top. Bad teams are going to be towards the bottom because losing is going to make it lower. And, and then you can take into account home road, all that stuff. 
I don't have the exact specifics worked out because I am not on the NCAA committee, but uh, that would be the general idea of you can, I think there's a way to get it to one number and then you can just use those numbers to reference each other. But well, this the way, you're, the way you're that the, I talk about it, it seems like there's something like that already out there, and I just don't know what it is. You're the math guy. Come up with it. And instead of Ken Palm in ten years, we're gonna say the Joe Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, right. you're here to save us here. So um, I don't know if anything can save Indiana. They're down sixty-eight <clears throat> to sixty-three with forty-six seconds left. They're trying to pull the upset. Scott White asks. Well, that in, that sounds familiar today, Greg. Yeah, for sure. But um, for Northwestern's at the free throw line, they just knocked down the first one. So Scott White asked in the chat, who is the next coach out, IU or Michigan? Michigan. Joe? Yeah, Michigan. I think Woodson gets one more. Yep. One so more year. there you go, Scott White. Um, Corey Lesney, who's been in our chat, he just made dinner and he came back and was like, we're still talking about Braden Smith being gassed. We are gassed uh, coming up on a two-hour post-game show here, but uh, we're having a lot of fun here. So a little bit of therapy session here. Corey Lesney wants to know, from your guys' standpoint, is the Morton and Edie switch supposed to happen? Is this coaching? Um, the switch is only going to happen if Morton doesn't do his job and get over the screen. Like, Or it's, I don't know. I mean to like single up more and it's Jones, it's whoever, whoever Jones, Smith, lawyer, whoever's in that action. Um, if they don't get through the screen quick enough, then Edie will, it's called a late switch. And so it's not designed, but it's just kind of like, if we don't switch right here, this guy's going to have either a wide open layup or just a wide open jumper. Um, that is when that'll happen. It is, it's generally not, if you, if it's supposed to happen, that means that like there was, that means either the team is like five guards pretty much, and it doesn't really matter who's ED on, who ED is on necessarily, or just like Purdue's out of all options and they just go to it. I don't think they were at either of those points today. So it was just uh, a read and react type thing of trying to maintain penetration. Okay. There you go. Uh, maintain, maintain what? Like the penetration off the drives. Yeah. Penetration off the drive. This is a children's show, Craig. Um, I, I didn't hear him. I wasn't trying to be. Uh, yeah, Joe Uligan is asking for this stat to be read again. I've got to hear the free throw stat again. That was incredible, and I want to repeat it accurately. Do you have it, Joe? Um, I don't know what specifically Purdue went 20 for 20, and according to Cobra stats, that has the Purdue has shot 100% uh, from the free throw line six times since 2008, and they are now 5-1 and one in those games. 1-5? One and five. One in, No, 5-1. and one. They're five and or one. was it no, one? And five? No, no, one and five. Yeah, Purdue. Oh, that, I thought this that, was the first loss. No, that's why the stats so crazy. Oh, that in is the crazy. Six, in the six games that Purdue has shot hundred percent from the free throw line, they've only won one of those. Why are we complaining about missing a free throw then? That would have won. <laughs> that's like, what we should have done. We should yeah. have missed free throws no. today, and they would have won the game. So uh, we'll we'll make sure we think about that going forward. Mark Hoferth is giving a shout out to Diebler, uh, who was the interim head coach. Uh, Chris Holtman got fired from Ohio State. First win against number two, Valpo guy with Drew Connections repping Northwest Indiana. And, um, you know, me and Joe are region guys. Uh, I'm a big region dude. So as much as I hate it, we'll give a little shout out to Diebler. He was definitely emotional at the end of the game. So good for him. Uh, happy for region guys when they have their success. I see my what 
I, I you need to show this one. Yeah, I was saving it for the best for last. Uh, I, oh, oh, sorry. I see, I see Mike uh, was hanging out. He's gone now, uh, but he was here for a little bit defending the honor of Boilers fans across the country, saying, I'm not worried about Marge. Just keep slugging it out and enjoy being a fan. And I agree. You know, at the end of the day, the, these things we cannot control. I cannot control who the Bears quarterback will be. I cannot control if Purdue is going to get to a Final Four. I'm fairly confident that one day Purdue will get to a final four. Maybe it's this year. I'm fairly confident that one day the bears will have a quarterback. Hopefully it's this year. We shall see how things play out. But uh, at the end of the day, you kind of just have to embrace the journey, enjoy it. And if it's too much of a stress for you, maybe uh, have a drink or go outside or something, but everybody fans how they're going to fan. And if you're the type that wants to stress out or be a little cynical and uh, expect the worst and hope for the best. Uh, you know, that's that's also a way that you can cheer as well. Everybody kind of cheers differently. Greg, that's Greg, what? When when you talk about Purdue, you cannot say fairly. Like like yeah. three times in those sentences, you were yeah. like, yeah. yeah, you you were like fairly certain. Fairly, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just that's just opening it up. Yeah. To like fairly Dickinson jokes. Well, you then can't I can't that. say anything about a guy named Peter. I can't call you a saint. We can't talk about the direction north of us. We can't talk about anyone from the biggest state in our country in Texas. There's going to be a lot of words that we're going to start banning on this show if it's to keep us from the uh, abysmal losses that we've all suffered as Purdue fans here, especially here in the last six, seven years, eight years since I jumped on board with you guys. Uh, but it's been a fun ride and we're going to get there. I promise we're going to make it. Uh, but SLK boiler does say, I feel like I need to pay you guys for basketball therapy. Uh, we appreciate your support. SLK always, uh, you know, eventually we'll come up with a system where if you guys want to throw us some, some donations and support our way to continue building this, uh, we'll definitely look into that. But for yeah. now, Enjoy. And, um, go ahead. Craig. And, and and my Venmo is uh, Craig Bowers. Like, <laughs> Craig, Craig, Craig dash Bowers, K, yeah. capital K, capital B. Yeah. Like yeah. if, if you're yeah. really feeling buy like Craig a beer, he's at, yeah, he's at brokerage. If you want to throw Craig a beer, there's his Venmo. Uh, somehow IU got this game all the way to the 75, 72 with five seconds to play in Northwestern is headed to the free throw line to ice it, but he missed the first. Uh, but I, you, oh, okay. You're a little ahead of me. So, um, I, you while, while you're waiting, if like, um, we just, first of all, appreciate everybody tuning in and just showing support that way, interacting in the chat. If there is like an actual way, uh, you know, that you want to support us, you know, more financially in that, um, I, I did throw the merch link in the, in the comments. We, you know, have some shirts some some cups some just some stuff like that. Um, so then you also get something back in return. Obviously no pressure at all, but if, if there is people that do want to support in that way, there is the link right there uh, for, for some merch. Yeah, for sure. And, and Chubbs, who's a real asshole, but a good friend of mine says, I feel like I need to pay you guys for the enjoyment I get out of the suffering of Purdue. And if you want to support us in that way, Chubbs, we're not going to stop you. So we appreciate you hanging out here and, uh, you know, jerking our chain. Uh, so yes. So that's it. That wraps things up here today. Northwestern nails the free throw. So that about wraps things up at Assembly Hall. We did an entire post-game show while IU loses to Northwestern at home at Assembly Hall. So Northwestern looking for that um, 
double bye in the Big Ten tournament, fighting and clawing for it as they got it uh, last year. So that wraps things up. We've given all our thoughts. No final thoughts. We hit the two-hour mark. Two-hour show. Yeah. Classic two-hour show. Hey, well, we do so many post-game shows where they win. Today they lose, so it's a little different than what we're normally used to here. Hopefully we get back to our winning ways Thursday night at Mac Arena as they take on Rutgers, Scarlet Knights. Uh, the Rutgers. The, the Rutgers. The Rutgers. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. We'll all be on hand for that one as Purdue looks to bounce back. So you're uh, coming. I will be there. I will be there. Shut up. And I swear to God. And the Cubs guys asked me to do their show that day. And I specifically told them no, because I'm not missing. We're going to hold you to it. I promise I'm going to be there short of a blizzard. That's going to keep me from driving down the highway. Well, it's supposed to be 60 degrees. So you're good. I'll be there Thursday night with bells on. Can't wait to be there until then. Please hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, uh, and we shall see you Tommy Wallen. Thanks for making the loss less painful. Love what you guys do. Keep doing going. And we will do that indeed. So we'll see you Thursday night. Stay tuned for updates. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Like the show. We'll see you and always boiler.